And we are live. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen. Bienvenidos, señores y señores. This is the NAI Ball Podcast. It is season five, episode 15, and it is a very special post-season edition of the NAI Ball Podcast. All of this being brought to you by our friends over at Offspeed Athletics, and we will tell you about them right now because when it comes to building the brand, there's nobody that does it better than our friends over at Offspeed Athletics. Offspeed Athletics can provide your team with high-quality sublimated uniforms, apparel for your youth, high school, and collegiate team. That's right. Offspeed Athletics has it all. Look, if you haven't done it so far, why haven't you? You need to do it right now. Go give them a follow on Twitter and Instagram, at OffSpeedATH. That's at OffSpeedATH, both on Twitter and Instagram. Take a moment right now to visit their work and check them out on their website, OffSpeedAthletics.com. OffSpeedAthletics.com. Support the people who support us. That's OffSpeed Athletics, the official title sponsor of the NAI Ball Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we have officially made it. It is the opening round, three of the most exciting days of college baseball for us. It is high intensity, high energy, high passion, good baseball. These are the 46 remaining teams nationally. We are super excited to be here. And I mean, I cannot wait for Monday. I'm looking forward to it. It is basically, other than all the games being in the same time slot, which makes it incredibly difficult for both Cody and I to catch everybody. But... I mean, it's basically wall-to-wall baseball coverage all day long, and we will have that all for you here at NAI Ball. I'm the host of the NAI Ball Podcast, Robbie Gutierrez, at RobG1063 on Twitter. And joining me as always, ladies and gentlemen, let's bring him in right now, the foremost authority on NAI Baseball, Mr. Cody Butler. Cody, baby, what's going on? Well, Robbie, I mean, I don't say this a lot, man. It's been about a year, but I'm ready for Monday. Like, I cannot wait for a <laughs> Monday. I'm excited to get past the Saturday, get through Sunday, and get into baseball next week. I'm absolutely fired up. I, I am too, man. I mean, we we do so much work leading up to this moment. It is something that that we definitely look forward to. I mean, there's there's literally so much going into this. We had ten straight days of of conference tournament baseball, uh, and everything went so chalk that that we had really hard decisions to make when we were trying to, you know, when I was trying to play Joe Lenardi, when we were trying to figure out who's in, who's out, who's where, who's who's what. You know, I handled the who's in, who's out, and you try to figure out who's where and and who's what as far as uh, seating goes. And, you know, uh, not bad this year. We didn't do our, our normal 95% that, that we've gotten in the last two years, but uh, I'll take 87, uh, especially as hard as this year was where, uh, you know, we got 13 to 15 teams right. Uh, the committee felt that Middle Georgia State and Columbia put, I guess, together better resumes, you know, and, and we had talked about that on an Instagram Live. Uh, we ha- I had two different teams getting in, but uh, – both Middle Georgia State and Columbia getting the final two spots to get into this tournament. Other than that, everything else was good. You know, Point Park, Tabor, Loyola, all of those teams getting in with what seemed to be some some ease. It felt like the last two spots were the big, the big interesting portions of of what the committee had left. Yeah, and we've mentioned it before already. It's like this year went deeper than most years. So when you only have nine locks, maybe ten or eleven, you feel great about. That's four teams you're going to have to pick through. And uh, that's a lot of the teams depicted with so many different candidates available. I'm still proud that we got 13 and 15, right? I think we did a good job as always. Yeah, man, it, it's going to be really interesting. And and again, I think one of the things that we're going to go over, we are going to throw a ton of information at people 
I mean, Cody, I think you're going to cover the last 10 for every team. And you said that there's some teams limping in here. We're going to, I'm going to talk about all time records. There's a lot of losing all time records in the opening round, which is to be expected. Uh, But there are not a lot of brand new teams into this format. They went with a lot of teams that had a lot of experience already in the postseason and, and knew what they were doing. And we're hoping that that makes for three awesome days of baseball, man. Ten brackets for the first time. We get more games. That's the one thing we complain about, too, as you talked about it already on the show, is everyone's playing at the same time, so it sucks we can't see everybody. But at least we get a whole other bracket. Yep, that, that is true, man, a whole other bracket. But, Cody, let's kick it off with some Go Pirates. Uh, it would not be the NAI selection show without a couple of airs and and, you know, a couple of airs on social media as well. Uh, my favorite air, other than you know some of the committee choices, was the defending national champions, Georgia Gwinnett. Can't even have their name spelled right on the selection show. Uh, Cody, you are a resident of Gwinnett. You are a, a product of Georgia Gwinnett. You know how did how did that go for you? Uh, usually, people struggle with the double T, not the double N. So that was a nice little change up. But uh, yeah, Gwinnett's usually. One that we spelled right, especially, you know, just how good they are across the board at tennis at this level. And uh, it was a little surprising to see that mistake. But that was not my favorite mistakes. Yes. So my three favorite mistakes uh, from NAI and NAI World Series uh, social media accounts were the Shreveport Pilots were called the Shreveport Pirates on a post. Uh, I actually kind of like the Shreveport Pirates a little bit better than the Pilots. Yeah, I do too. I was talking to Brad and uh, Brett the other day, and I think, you know, we're big Los Pilots guys, and I think now we're switching up to Los Pirates, and I think we're going to be the Shreveport Pirates out of New Orleans, Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, the, the <laughs> it's, it's hard to mess up the city when it's in the name. Right. <laughs> it's like they found a way. They got the uh, placement of the regional uh, opening round tournament wrong. Uh, they, they placed Shreveport in New Orleans, and they got the team name wrong. So um, I, I'm... I'm all in on the Pirates. I really, really, really like the Shreveport Pirates. I know Pilots has a lot of history there in Shreveport. Uh, it was the name of the former minor league team back in the day uh, when when my uncle was playing independent ball. And, uh, you know, back when those independent leagues were, were uh, really different than, than what we are, you know, what they've got going on now with everything going on in Major League Baseball and cutting down on minor leagues. Uh, but, you know, they they've been the pilots for forever, but I really like the Shreveport Pirates. You know, there's there's that that kind of mystique that comes with it. Uh, on top of that, I would like to con- congratulate Southeastern University on moving from you know lake locked, I guess landlocked slash lake locked Lakeland, Florida, moving out to the west coast of Florida and moving their entire campus to Clearwater, Florida. So congratulations to Southeastern. I'm sure their property values just all went sky high. Uh, Clearwater, a very nice area. And so Southeastern University, the number one team in the nation. And Cody, I, I guess we can assume, uh, and I'd say this is a pretty good uh, assumption, the number one seed in the nation uh, being moved from Lakeland, Florida to Clearwater. But that's not even like the best thing yet. How about oh. renaming the city of Montgomery, Alabama, yes. a proud city, to Faulkner, Alabama? You go to eight World Series in a row, you deserve to have a city named after you. And no, we're not giving you Pelham, Alabama, or Twin <laughs> Pizza. No, we're giving yeah. you Montgomery. We're, we're giving you Montgomery. And I uh, definitely want to give a shout out to Faulkner, Alabama, 
No, not a lot of people are going to get that. People are going to come in from out of state. Not a lot of big NAI guys, but every time I pass Faulkner, Alabama, and I'll know. They totally skip over Alabama State, and they go straight for Faulkner. Uh, AUM is just like in absolute shock right now. I don't, know, I don't even think about AUM. They went D two and just skipped right over them. Yeah, that's a, that's tough, tough, tough luck, right? There. Absolutely, but. That is uh, just some of the things that were noticed and, and pointed out to us, as well as things that we noticed on social media. So, you know, there, there are some pretty funny mistakes there. But again, Cody, you know, we make mistakes every now and then, some spe- spelling errors and things like that. But very few, very few. It's just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> we do make mistakes. We do. Right. So it happens. But at the same time, there from the NAI, you would think that, that everything's kind of quadruple checked. You would think, but I digress. Cody conference tournaments. We had 10 incredible days of baseball. I'm going to run through every single conference championship right now. And the first conference tournament was the AMC tournament where lion defeated Columbia 11 to two in the Appalachian athletic Tennessee Wesleyan beat Brian 11, four in the Cal pack UAV defeated St. Catherine 11, nothing in the cascade LCSE defeated British Columbia 11, seven in the Chicago land. All of it, Nazarene rolled over Judson 3-1 to one in a great tournament there. I actually watched probably more CCAC baseball uh, this past week than any time else. In the Continental, GGC defeated Fisher 5-2 in the Crossroads League. Taylor beats Huntington 12-9 in a good game as well. In the GSAC, HIU holds off William Jessup 10-9. In the GPAC, Concordia walked off Jamestown in a game that both you and I watched. In the heart, Central Methodist Downs, Mid-American Naz, 4-3. to three. That was a great ball game as well. In the KCAC, Kansas Wesleyan dances on past Tabor, 8-7. Another great championship game. In the Mid-South, UC defeats Freed Hardeman, 8-7. In the NSAA, Bellevue holds off Dakota State, 1-0. In the Red River, LSUA beats UHV, 13-2 for the final spot. In the RSC, IUS cruises past Point Park, 19-4. In the Sooner Athletic, OCU beats Science and Arts, 13-2. In the Southern States, William Carey defeated Faulkner, 7-0. In the Sun, in Southeastern, beats St. Thomas, 10-9 in a great ball game. And then in the WAC, Uno cruises past Madonna in the if-necessary game, 25-2. And that was game three of a three-game series cody any of these games stand out to you a lot of them do actually but i think uh, the concordia jamestown game was a super fun game especially with jamestown and concordia both playing for a bid there i will say it was kind of surprising because it didn't didn't really notice it in the moment but 14 of our 19 champions swept through their tournament uh so while there was a lot of fun baseball and competitive baseball uh you know some of these top seeds really did their thing which created so many at large bids so yeah 14 champions swept through the tournament Concordia, Nebraska, winning a triple header, winning five elimination games to get to the championship and qualify. Kansas Wesleyan to win five elimination games. Kansas Wesleyan's 500 baseball team. Uh, they drop a game. They go out there and win five straight to win their tournament to make the opening round. That was probably the biggest story this year. Got to be Kansas Wesleyan. Brian needing to go out there and win three straight to defeat Reinhardt back-to-back and to be able to do it. Uh, Brian's another team that really stood out. Yeah, there were, there were some great stories. You know, we did not have the normal um, Cinderella stories or even the normal 
uh, three seed to feel wins a conference tournament that we all kind of saw it coming. Also, you, we had a few Cinderella stories and then everything else just kind of went as, as it was expected to go. And it, it was still a, a great 10 days of, you know, college baseball. And I'm super excited for getting into our opening round rundown, which we will do right now. And we are going to first, before we get into that, tell you about the all-time opening records by seeds. So here's a look at how, if, what if you're seeded a five, four, three, two, one, we'll tell you what your record has looked like over the years. Now, mind you, all of the numbers that we're about to go over, especially when we tell you how many opening rounds you made and how many straight and what your all-time record is, does not include anything that is not in the modern format. The modern format started in 2009. We are only looking at those numbers before that, you know, uh, Cody, I mean, we were in high school at that time. I don't think you and I were really knew what the NAI was. Uh, I, I must have been a sophomore, I think, in 2009. So anything before that, I mean, you're you're really talking about tough sled in there. So we're not really focused on anything before the modern format, 2009. So when we look at the seeding for these opening round tournaments, if you're a five seed, your all time record is 91 and 159. That's a 364 win percentage. The four seed. It's 106 and 152. That's a 410 win percentage. The three seeds are 139 and 142. That's right on the cusp. I mean, almost there to 500, but that's a 494 win percentage. Two seeds, literally right on the dot, 500, 140, and 140 all time. And the number one seeds are 212 and 79. That's a 72-8 win percentage, 7-2-8 win percentage there for number one seeds. All-time opening round host records. How the hosts have done overall in the uh, opening round tournaments. 2011 host teams were 17 and 7 and 12. They were 23 and 7. 2013, they were 20 and 5. 2014, they were 18 and 8. 2015, they were 20 and 9. 2016, 20 and 14. 2017, they were 21 and 10. 2018, 17 and 9. 2019, they were 21 and 8. Remember, we did not have a season in 2020. And then in 2021, they were 15 and 11. So Cody last year statistically was the worst year to be a host at 15 and 11. Yeah, and that's interesting. But I think what the most interesting thing you just read off to me was that two to three matchup. I mean, it's such a toss up, man. It's really, really close every year in every bracket. When you look at the winning percentages between 500 and 494, uh, the two seeds and three seeds, it could really go either way. Yeah, it, it really could. And and really overall in this tournament, there are 36 repeat qualifiers from 2021. Cody, I think the longest drought we've had in this uh, is, oh, I want to say Kansas Wesleyan. And we'll talk about when's the last time they made an opening round, but they had the current longest drought. We have one team in this field that has never played in a opening round in the modern era format and we will get into all of that but Cody if you're ready I'm ready we're going to pick well first off we're going to tell you the opening round tournament who every single team is in the tournament uh one through five and then we will pick our day one matchups and by day one matchups we are going to go five four or one four two three and then we will also if necessary pick a uh, you know, four, five, one matchup. We're going to tell you who we expect to be the winner and if we can see a dark horse coming out of this field. So, Cody, let's kick things off, man, with Bellevue 
representing Bellevue, Nebraska at Don Roddy Field. And the number one overall seed in this bracket is, in fact, Bellevue University. So Bellevue is 45 and 10. They were 25 and 2 in the NSAA. They have this is their 12th opening round, their 11th straight. They're 21 and 19 all time in opening rounds. They have two opening round championships. They're hitting 361 as a team with a 437 on base percentage. They have 665 hits this year, 97 home runs, a 393 team ERA, 471 punch outs, 9.95 K per nine. They've scored 529 runs and allowed 200. Cody, tell us a little bit more about Bellevue. I mean, they're coming into this tournament red hot. They're 9-1 and in their last 10 games. Uh, they swept through the North Star Tournament, outscored their competition 38-2. to uh, They're absolutely getting it done. They haven't given up a run in over 26 innings. Looking at some of their pitchers, Eliza Johnson, I mean, he's on pace to be an All-American. 87 innings pitched, 207 ERA, punched out 127 guys this year already. He's thrown eight complete games. I mean, he's just a legit dude. You give him the ball, he's going to go out there and get you a win every single outing. Blaine Crippen, the lefty, 11 wins this year, 2.65 ERA in 68 innings. He's been really good. Alec Ackerman, the player of the year, 3.88 average, 17 doubles, 17 home runs, 69 RBIs. And another bat to watch, Kanta Kobayashi, 100 hits this season already. I mean, he's joining the open round and already got 100 knocks. 422 average, 30 extra base hits, 22 stolen bases. This is a really well-rounded team. I think this is a better Bellevue team than the team we saw a year ago. I think this Bellevue team looks really good. They're the best fielding team in the nation. Something to note, the best defensive team in the nation. They fielded at a 982 clip, and uh, they're just really around a bunch. So that is the number one overall seed in the Bellevue opening round tournament. The, the number two seed is the national runner-up from 20 or 2021, excuse me, Central Methodist, 42 and 13, who is 29 and 3 in the heart. This is their fifth opening round of all time. Third in a row, they are five and six all time with one opening round title coming last season. They're hitting 332 as a team with a 441 on base percentage of five, 529 hits, 56 home runs, 4.18 team ERA, 473 punch outs, 10.75 K per nine. They've scored 452 runs and allowed 229. Central Methodist is coming into this tournament. They're nine and one in their last 10 games. We're able to win that heart tournament title over Mid-American Nazarene. Thankfully, because they threw their two dudes, Nick Merkel, All-American coming into this season, 98 innings pitch, 2-3-0 ERA, and he's punched out 127. And their number two starter, who was their best reliever last year, who they used in relief to win the title last week in the heart, Bo Adkins. 81 innings pitch, punched out 101, and has a 2-5-5 ERA. That's going to be your one-two for CMU. Nate Merkel, Bo Atkins, they were the two top dogs on that staff last year, Atkins being the closer. Uh, they're really, really, really good on the mound. Robbie Merced, 454 average, 24 home runs, 85 RBIs, All-American lock at shortstop, one of the premier players in NAI baseball this season. And then you look at a guy at the top of their order, Bobby Nichols. He's stolen 55 bases at second in the nation. Uh, absolutely, if he gets on base, he's going to steal. This is a really, really, really good two seed. The three seed is Tabor, who is 37, 17, and 1. They qualify as an at-large. 22 and 11 in the KCAC. Seventh opening round of all time. This is their first, though, since 2017. They are 18 and 9 all-time in opening round tournaments with two opening round 
championships. They are hitting 337 with 618 hits, 115 home runs. And they have a 640 ERA, 457 punch outs. They've scored 519 runs, Cody, but have allowed 360. Yeah, Tampa's a team that's going to want to outslug you. Uh, they're actually coming into this 3-7 and seven in their last 10, kind of limping in a little bit. But I will say they got hot in the KCAC tournament, played themselves into the final, even though they came runner-up in that tournament. Uh, they got a little bit of momentum going. They lead the nation in home runs. So if you like the long ball like I do, Tabor's a fun team to watch. Kelsey Weems has 20 home runs this year, 70 RBIs. You look at a guy like Cody Moore, leads the team in average with 372, 15 home runs. A lot of fun bats. Leo Aguilar, the catcher, is a fun bat to watch. But on the mound, they need their guy to be healthy and ready to roll in All-American Austin Seidel. 89 innings pitched, 3.53 ERA, 108 strikeouts. He is by far their best arm. He's got to be ready to roll to go up against a really, really good two seed in Central Methodist. The four seed is Concordia, Nebraska, who was a World Series participant last season. They are 36 and 15 and 1, 20 and 8 in GPAC play, fourth opening round, third all time, six and five all time in the opening rounds with one opening round title coming last year in this exact same regional. 330 average, 526 hits, 100 home runs. 461 team ERA, 430 Ks. They've scored 472 runs and allowed 254. Concordia, Nebraska. Fun story, man. Five straight elimination wins after dropping the conference opener. Had to win a triple header on Monday, and they did. Really special stuff. They were 7-3 in their last 10 games. Jaden Adams had probably the best tournament out of maybe anyone in the country. Uh, but for the season, Jaden Adams, 401 average, 16 home runs. 62 RBIs. You look at the guy that hits literally right after him, Joey Grabanski, 394, 17 bombs, 62 RBIs. This year, where Concordia is maybe a little bit different, we've talked about it all year, is probably not as front heavy on the mound, but they've got some dudes, man. Caden Johnson, 338 ERA in 64 innings, and then Alex Johnson, a 279 ERA in 58 innings. Concordia is a good ball club. This is a really strong four. It is, in fact, I, I, I like it. You know, it is a very good four. It also means, Cody, that because only one team can come out of this tournament, that we will definitely uh, have at least one new participant this season at Lewiston uh, that was not there last year. The fifth seed is Judson, who is 21 and 28 on the year, 15 and 14 in the CCAC. Seventh opening round all time. First since 2018, five and twelve in the opening round all time. No opening round titles for them. They're hitting 287 as a team with 455 hits, 31 home runs, 6.13 ERA, 307 punch outs. They've scored 318 runs and allowed 325. Justin's coming into the opening round five and five in their last ten games. But you know what? The five they won and what counts? They had a huge matchup with the number two seed St. Ambrose and basically an elimination semifinal. If you win that game, you play next week. If you lose, you're done. And they went out there and beat St. Ambrose 15 to nothing. Kind of raised the eyebrows of a lot of people around the country. Tommy Moran, 298 average, 14 doubles, six home runs. Benjamin Nelson, 289 average, six doubles, seven triples. Seven triples. Got to be impressed with that. And 18 bags. Brandon Callender on the mound, 74 innings, 4.64 ERA. And Michael Betancourt, 62 innings, 3.34 ERA. I'm excited to see what the second-place team out of the CCAC can do against a good club like Concordia. It will be interesting to see what happens. And, Cody, let's go right then and there. 
4-5 matchup, Concordia, Judson, who you got? I'm going to go with Concordia. Yeah, I like Concordia. I just think they're a little too strong this year. Uh, absolutely. I think the offense is going to be too much there. Uh, and then the 2-3 is a really good one. The high offensive power, a Tabor, and a, a team that we've really come to know as, you know, pitching – Wise has one of the best starters in the nation that you would want on the bump in a big game in Nick Merkel in the two seed. It'll be interesting to see what Nate Breland does there, but if they decide to uh, throw Merkel or not against a Tabor team that is super offensive. Yeah, I just don't think you can throw off here, and I'm going to take Merkel and CMU. I think Tabor is what's really tough about playing them as a three. Like you said, kind of like we'll get into a team like Kaiser later down the road. When you play a team that's so good offensively, they can just outslug you sometimes. They can bring you into their kind of game. They can score enough runs and they can beat you. I'm going to stick with Central Methodist. I think Nick Merkel's an absolute dog on the mound. I think they have one of the best players we mentioned, Robin Merced. Uh, give me CMU. Yeah, I like the choice also. If they throw Merkel, uh, I'm 100% on on CMU there. Uh, I think Merced and Merkel combination is going to be tough to beat. If they don't throw Merkel, it's it's kind of tough to take CMU just with the offensive power of Tabor and, and what they've been able to do offensively this year. It'll be interesting to see how that trend, you know, how that moves over, transitions over to Bellevue. Uh, but I, I, I like CMU in that game. And then the 4 1 matchup, I guess we would have in Bellevue would be uh, Concordia Bellevue and uh, a rematch of, of last season's uh, opening round tournament championship game. I, I like Bellevue this time around. Yeah, I do too. I think Bellevue's just a little bit stronger this year. Offensively, Bellevue's looked really good this year, and on the mound, they've been insane. Whether they go Elijah Johnson, which I don't think they will, or they go McGrain Pledger or Blake Crippen, I just don't think it'll matter. Give me Bellevue. Give me Ackerman, Kobayashi, Connor Barnett, who's hitting 416 and 10 home runs and 51 RBIs. Uh, give me Bellevue too strong. Bellevue is the team that I would pick to win this opening round, and I guess my dark horse would, would not be much of a dark horse, but I just kind of like Central Methodist with their pitching edge over Tabor as a dark horse. Yeah, see, I'm actually going to go with Central Methodist to win this opening round bracket. And I think a lot of that is the respect I have for Bo Atkins. I expect Bo Atkins to come out there and shove against Bellevue. And Central Methodist to score just maybe one or two more runs. And once you get into that Wednesday final, it would not surprise me at all if this is going to go to game nine. This is going to have that if necessary game to it. Mm -hmm. uh, but give me CMU. Give me them rolling back Nick Merkel they need to in a couple of innings. In a do or die situation. Uh, give me Nate Breland and give me the CMU Eagles. Cody rolling with CMU. I'm going to roll with Dwayne Monlux and the Bruins of Bellevue in that one. We move on to the visit Kingsport opening round tournament from Kingsport, Tennessee at Hunter Wright Stadium. And Cody, this is basically turned into the Tennessee Wesleyan Invitational. It feels like they are hosting here every single year. And when I tell you right now about Tennessee Wesleyan, you'll understand why. Because for Tennessee Wesleyan, who's 51 and 5, 27 and 3 out of the Appalachian Athletic Conference, this is their 13th straight opening round in the 13 years of this modern format. This is as well their 13th opening round in a row. They are 31 and 18 all time with five opening round championships. They're hitting 340 as a team with a 429 on base percentage, 645 hits, 102 home runs, 3.23 team ERA with a 10.63 K per nine, 550 runs scored to 206 runs allowed. Tennessee Wesleyan coming in winning 11 straight. They swept through the AAC tournament. Uh, Levon Reynoso, candidate for player of the year, 428 average, 28 home runs. Robbie leads the nation in bombs, 28 bombs for Levon Reynoso, 84 RBIs. 
A guy that we haven't talked about as much this year is Zach Hoyerson. He's kind of stepping it up a little bit lately. 389 average, 14 home runs, 63 driven in. Offensively, they are elite, but on the mound, they are special. Kobe Foster, 89 innings pitched, 1-1 ERA, 112 strikeouts. Kobe Foster has allowed 40 hits in 89 innings. Let that sink in and marinate at home. The guy just doesn't give up hits. He is literally elite. Uh, Robert Gonzalez, another lefty specialist. He was referred to to me this year as Johan Santana of NAIA baseball. That's a pretty cool little comparison I heard from him. 83 innings pitched, punched out 80, got a 3-2-7 ERA. And then their bullpen, uh, Liam Doolin, Michael Taylor, Kyle Bloor, they all punch out over 10 for a K-9. They're really special on the mound. I think this team's a lot better because of their bullpen this year. Uh, they might lose a little bit from the offense they had last year, but you guy like Liam Doolin, uh, just a special talent, punched down over two in inning. Big-time guy that could shut the door, a guy that they probably wish they had last year. Uh, I really like this Tennessee Wesleyan team. Yeah, I, I do too, and and we'll get into more about Tennessee Wesleyan in a moment here, but the two-seed is Warner, who is 40-16, and 14-10 and 10 out of the Sun Conference. Their third opening round of all time in the modern format, second in a row, 0-4 oh though, all time with no opening round titles. They're hitting 300 as a team with 535 hits, 48 home runs, a 480 team ERA, 421 punch outs, 420 runs scored, 291 runs allowed. You know, this is a Warner team making the return trip to Kingsport. Uh, came in and played a red-hot IUS team last year. If you remember, Warner actually got up big on IUS in that first game of the tournament, and then IUS stormed back were able to get the win. But Warner's 6-4 and four in their last 10 games. Uh, some of these records are going to be skewed when you talk about like a Sun Conference tournament. Obviously, you're going to drop a couple games in that tournament, playing with the number one overall seed. Tyler Brown hitting 327, 14 home runs, 52 RBIs. Trey Woolsey. 339 average, 76 hits, leads the team, 18 doubles, nine bombs. Certified dude on the mound in John Bean. He's a guy that's going to go out there and throw deep in the games. 90 innings pitched, 351 ERA. And the freshman, Noah Harsh, 69 innings, only giving up 47 hits and 69 innings. Really impressive numbers for freshman. 376 ERA, he's punched out 73 over a K in inning. This is a pretty good Warner team that, although they're looking in six and four a little bit, they played some really good competition. And this is a tough two seed. The three seed is Cumberland's Kentucky, who's 43 and 14, 19 and 6 out of the Mid South, fifth opening round, fifth straight for them as well. Four and eight all time in the opening round with no opening round titles, 342 team average, 428 on base percentage, 647 hits, 79 home runs, 4.64 team ERA with 438 punch outs on the year. Cody, this team has scored 502 runs and they've allowed 272. Cumberland's Kentucky, the Mid-South Tournament champions, took two out of three off Freed Hardeman in a really good, fun tournament to watch. Uh, they're coming in 8-2 and two in their last 10. They're playing their best baseball of late, though. They've played really well down the stretch. Carlos Muniz, known as Chucky, 429 average, 17 doubles, 18 home runs, 60 RBIs. He has been an absolute dude for them. And you know we love freshmen on this show, man. Got to give a shout-out to the freshman Seth Benner, true freshman at that. 415 average, 12 doubles, 11 home runs. He's just played spectacular. Three really good arms for the Patriots. Thomas Gutierrez, 85 innings, 74 Ks. Braxton Cotton game, 82 innings pits, 3.86 ERA. But Hunter Rigsby is a guy that if they're going to have a good run, they need him to pitch well. 60 innings pitched, 45 hits, punched out 84 and 60 innings, has a 2.40 ERA. This is a Cumberland's team that maybe with a little less pressure than the last couple of years where you're hosting your top 10 team in the country. Maybe it's a three seed that can go in and make some noise. Cody, the four seed in Kingsport, Tennessee is Mount 
Vernon Nazarene out of Ohio, 37 and 17, 27 and 9 in the Crossroads League. They finished first place in the regular season. Their eighth opening round of all time, second in a row, 7 and 14 in the opening round tournament with no titles. 290 team average, 505 in hits, 43 home runs, 4.61 ERA, 396 punch outs. They've scored nearly 400 runs this season, 393 and allowed. 281 this will be an interesting team who made some waves last season in kingsport yeah another return trip to kingsport they definitely know the way uh mount vernon nazarene seven and three in their last 10 uh offensively this year andrew miller's definitely been the mvp 365 average 13 doubles 12 home runs jake glover a two-way guy that's been there just for a while now 278 this year but 16 doubles 11 home runs driven in 56 Josh Pettit, I could be saying the wrong name, could be Josh Petit. We're going to go with Pettit over here. 63 innings pitched, 371 ERA, but he's punched out 89 in 63 innings. You know I love that at this level. If you can miss bats, I'll take a flyer on you every day. Uh, Jake Glover's got a 62 innings on the mound this year as well, 462 ERA. But I got to watch for them inside of the bullpen. Cruz McFadden leads the nation 15 saves this year. Uh, he was on our all-in eyeball team last year as a freshman. was a really good player. And followed up his sophomore year leading the nation with 15 saves. He's a guy that they're going to go to, and they're going to go to a lot in this tournament. Yeah, will definitely be interesting to continue to watch him as his career progresses. The five seed is Madonna, 27 and 13, 15 and 7 in the WAC, seventh opening round, first since 2018, 4 and 12 all time in opening rounds with no titles. 0.295 team average, 381 hits. 46 home runs, 632 team ERA, 311 punch outs. They've scored 351 runs and then have allowed 270. Yeah, good for Madonna to win their pod. They've not played a lot of games this year. Six and four in their last 10 coming into the tournament, but they've only played 40 games total this season, uh, which honestly is a shame for a guy like Chase Mackin, who's hit north of 400 with 10 doubles, 11 home runs. 49 driven in. I would have liked to have seen his numbers about a full season. Nate Blaine, 57 innings pitch, 3-1-2 ERA, 55 Ks. He's going to go out there and be their ace. But John Bacalari, 18 innings pitch, 30 strikeouts as a reliever. is one of the best relievers in the country. Uh, been one of the best relievers at Madonna in program history. Been there for a while now. And they have a chance to go out there and make some noise. Maybe win this 5-4 matchup and give Tennessee Wesley a little fit. I feel like Buccalari's on that 10-year plan over there at Madonna. But, Cody, this is going to be an interesting one because, like you said, only 40 games for Madonna. There's three teams in this tournament who have won more games than they've played. Uh, it'll be really interesting to watch that. Let's jump into it here. Mount Vernon Nazarene versus Madonna in, in that 4-5 matchup. Who do you like? Take Mount Vernon Nazarene. Uh, they're the champions of the crossroads. I just think they've come from a better league. I think maybe they have a little bit better juice. Give me Mount Vernon Nazarene. I too like Mount Vernon Nazarene in this one. I think, you know, I know that they, they didn't have a, a super interesting run in the Crossroads League tournament, but uh, they still, I think that, that they're the team to watch. You know, they, they were here last year. They were comfortable and they made some big things happen in that same stadium. The two, three is an interesting one because you've got Warner in Cumberland's Kentucky. Yeah, give me Cumberland's Kentucky. I just think that they're playing better baseball of late, and I'm going to take a flyer on the Patriots. They're playing well. Yeah, Cumberland's Kentucky has been playing some great baseball. Uh, I, I definitely think that that they have a really good opportunity. I mean, that, that entire Mid-South tournament, Cumberland's Kentucky did some incredible things, 
and uh, was really impressed with them and what they look like. I, I too like Cumberland's Kentucky in that one. And then Mount Vernon Nazarene, Tennessee Wesleyan, Cody. I, I mean, I, Tennessee Wesleyan. Yeah, I think they'll go Robert Gonzalez there. I think he'll pitch really well again in this tournament. They're going to score some more runs. Last year, their issue wasn't the pitching in this regional. It was the scoring runs. I don't think that'll be an issue this year. Give me Tennessee Wesleyan. I, too, will take Tennessee Wesleyan for the Visit Kingsport Hunter Wright Stadium opening round tournament championship. Uh, I guess if if I had to pick a dark horse in this one, I'm going to go off the wall here, Cody. Give me Mount Vernon Nazarene as a, as a super dark horse here. I just can't even see a dark horse. Give the I can't either. <laughs> Two years in a row, Tennessee Wesleyan, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I I have to imagine that this is all Tennessee Wesleyan. I mean, you have to feel really good about them and their opportunities. And and you know they've lost five games all season. Three of them were in conference. One of them was to, you know, uh, a really good St. Thomas team. And and so I, I just really like the opportunity of of Tennessee Wesleyan to get themselves back to Lewiston, Idaho, where really they are a blue blood and a staple of this level. Cody, we move on to the next. Opening round tournament. It is our first opening round tournament with four teams in a bracket. And this one is the Lawrenceville bracket, hosted by Georgia Gwinnett College out of Lawrenceville, Georgia, at the Grizzly Baseball Complex. And the number one seed, Cody, is flying in from California. It is Hope International, who is 41 and 13, 24 and 8 in the GSAC, fourth opening round, third in a row, eight and four all time, one opening round title. 330 average with 419 OBP, 582 hits, 57 home runs, 388 ERA, 499 punch outs, 10.18 K per nine. They've scored 441 runs and allowed 240. Really impressive showing in the tournament for Hope International to go out there and sweep through the GSEC tournament, take four straight wins. They're eight and two in their last 10 games. When you think of Hope International this year, to me, it's Hector Garcia. 68 innings pitched, only allowed 34 hits in 68 innings. He's punched out 106 already through 68 innings. My goodness, he is just a special talent. He's an elite arm. For the team, but an interesting note for Hope International, they have three bullpen arms that they use, and they use heavily. They've used three different arms for 102 innings this year, and these guys are not starters. They're 14 and 3 on the year, 11 saves between them. All three have over 20 appearances on the mound. And that's Raul Herrera, Bailey Robertson, and Hunter Cooper. They've all been really special on the mound. And then offensively, Dimitri Colaccio, 83 hits, leads the team, 409 average. Greg Lamb, shout out to him for our Dog Water podcast, 312 average, 12 home runs, 47 RBIs. And then Chase Hansen has 22 extra base hits, 15 stolen bases. This is a really good Hope International team. They're well-balanced. I think when I speak with a couple of people on the team this year, the difference is their bullpen stronger than the last couple of years, and I think that might be the difference this season. The defending national champion, Georgia Gwinnett College, the Grizzlies are the two-seed in this tournament, Cody. They are 42-14. and 14. It's their eighth opening round. They're 21-8 and eight all-time in the opening round with four opening round titles, hitting 325 as a team with a 438 on-base percentage, 554 run, excuse me, hits. 43 home runs, 299 team ERA, 529 punch outs, a 10.63 K per nine, 459 runs scored to 216 runs allowed. This year, Austin Bates, Conference Player of the Year, catchers, really a true leader for this Gwinnett team, hits north to 400, 
really good defensively, by far probably their best player on the team this season. Livingston Morris hit 16 home runs on the year, which anyone knows anything about Gwinnett, 16 home runs at their place is really impressive. And then Braxton McGuire, a freshman, hit 394, 22 extra base hits, 20-plus stolen bases. On the mound this year, they've dealt with some injuries. That's the thing about this Gwinnett team is you never know who's going to start in these tournaments because we don't know who's back or who's going to be there because they've dealt with a lot of injuries on the mound this season. But Rob Hamby, the pitcher of the year, 68 innings pitched, 290 RA with 76 punch outs. And Gavin Heltzemis is a guy who pitched against Hope International last year out in California in an opening round. 60 innings pitched, punched out 79. He can miss some bats for you if you're Gwinnett. And they enter this tournament, I don't know if I said it, 8-2 in the last 10. At the three seed in Lawrenceville, Georgia, is a team out of Hattiesburg, Mississippi. It is William Carey, who is 37-15, and 16-8 and eight in the Southern States. Eighth opening round all-time, second straight, 17-13 and 13 all-time in the opening rounds, one opening round title, 317 team average, 512 hits, 43 home runs, 4.27 team ERA with 437 chairs thrown, 417 runs scored, 365 runs allowed for the three-seed. Not only are they a three-seed, arguably the hottest team in the nation, uh, tied with Southeastern, they have 14 wins in a row. William Carey is cruising right now, swept through the Southern States tournament. William Carey is a dangerous three-seed. They have two legit arms on the mound. A.J. Stinson, if you haven't seen him, 48 hits allowed this year in 80-plus innings. He's punched out 127 in 82 innings. A.J. Stinson throws a hard fastball. I mean, he's a guy that's not going to throw a lot of breaking stuff. He's going to throw a fastball, but he's going to come right at you with it. And if that umpire is giving you a little bit off the mound on the fastball that day, that is a tough man to hit. Uh, a lefty counterpart from their number two, Chris Williams, 86 innings pitch, 86 strikeouts, 344 ERA. He absolutely carved Faulkner in that SSAC title game. Eight innings pitch, no runs, 12 strikeouts. I heard he was 88 to 91 that day. 88 to 91 from the left side that can move at this level is going to be really tough to hit. RJ Stinson, no relation to AJ Stinson, I should add, no relation. Offensively leads the way, 427 average, nine home runs, 54 RBIs. Chris Williams, the pitcher we just talked about, he actually a really good hitter for them, 22 extra base hits, 339 average. And Patrick Lee, 383 average, 15 extra base hits. This is a sneaky three seed. So far, this is the best three seed we've seen. And then last but not least, rounding out this pool of four, it is Point Park, who is 37 and 14, 18 and 6 in the River States. It is their sixth opening round, their second straight, 8 and 8 all-time in opening round tournaments with one opening round title. Uh, Cody, every single team in this pool has been to Lewiston. Point Park is hitting 302, 478 hits, 47 home runs, 3.77 ERA, 403 chairs thrown, 384 runs scored, 211 runs allowed. Really good pitching regional. We keep talking about it. Easton Klein for Point Park, 78 innings, 243 ERA, 88 punch outs. Really impressive ace they have there in Point Park. And then probably one of, if not the best reliever in the tournament, Leo Diaz, 25 appearances this year. He's already punched out 58 batters, has a sub-2 ERA. I mean, he's a guy that they're going to go to a lot. We saw that with Ruben Ramirez last year in the opening round. I'd imagine we're going to see a lot of Leo Diaz this season. Cody, that brings us to the 4-1 matchup of Hope International and Point Park, and I just don't see uh, Point Park really having, having a chance to pull it out here. I think HIU is coming in with too much firepower, both on the offensive end and on the pitching staff. 
Yeah, I just think they're too complete. I think Hope International can afford to throw off. From what we've seen of them, I don't think we'll we'll probably expect to see Hector Garcia in that game. But I think offensively, they're going to score enough runs, and uh, they're just going to be able to get it done. Hope International is a really complete baseball team. We saw our first real big toss-up in the last uh, bracket, but this one also a major toss-up in the 2-3 matchup between GGC and William Carey. But I I think GGC's got the edge here. Yeah, see, not so fast, my friend. I'm actually going William Carey. And I truly believe that I'm not just picking against Gwinnett because I went to Gwinnett. I actually truly believe that they have the better pitching matchup. Whether they throw Chris Williams, a lefty, who I know can give Gwinnett some fits, or they throw A.J. Stinson, who has a fastball that can touch 94, 95. I just like William Carey. I think, you know, we'll get into our tournament champions, but we'll start with there. I like William Carey in this one at least. Is that a little bit of a hint there for your tournament champion, or or what are you going to go with? See, I'm going to go with Hope International, but if I had to pick a runner-up, it's definitely going to be William Carey. I think the problem with William Carey is after you get past Stinson and Williams, it's, all right, who do we got? And Hope International is a little bit more complete. But, man, I think would it surprise me if William Carey was out there 2-0 and on Wednesday and Hope had to win twice? No. Because you look at the arms William Carey has and Chris Williams and A.J. Stinson, um, that's probably a better one-two punch than anyone in this whole tournament. But uh, give me Hope International to win. I think they're more complete. I think they're definitely better on the offensive side of the ball. William Carey's got a really good one, two, three, and RJ Stinson, Chris Williams, and Patrick Lee. But, you know, when you go four through nine, I like Hope International a little bit deeper. I think they're the more talented club. I think Hope International has the better bullpen for sure. And uh, just give me HIU to find a way, even if they have to battle out of a loser's bracket. I like HIU to win this one. Yeah, I think HIU probably, when you're talking about for this, you know, opening round is is probably more of a complete ball club. Um it would not surprise me if William Carey is the dark horse here. Uh, you know, I, I think GGC playing at home has a good advantage because this is a different ballpark probably than HIU has has played at uh, this season. It, it's a ballpark where the ball does not fly uh, very easily. So it'll it'll be interesting to to see what happens here. But but I do think HIU is more of a complete ball club uh, in this tournament. Cody off to another. Opening round tournament here, and this time it is the Lewiston bracket hosted by LCSC in Lewiston, Idaho at Harris Field at Ed Chef Stadium. And the number one seed, Cody, making its first ever that's right, the only team in this tournament making its first ever appearance in the modern day format opening round is Lewis Clark State, the one seed, and really. For the first time in 23 years, Cody, from our friends over at the Tribune, uh, at the Lewiston Tribune, a huge thanks to them. Make sure you follow them on Twitter as well. Uh, We'll get you there at here in a moment. But for the Lewiston Tribune, they say this is for the first time in 23 years, the Lewis Clark baseball team does not have an automatic bid straight to the Avista NAI World Series. The Warriors must play their win way into this year's event. But there is precedent for the Warriors to play their way in, then go on to take the title. In fact, it was in 1999, the last time the series was not in Lewiston, but in Jupiter, Florida, that LCSC accomplished that feat, beating College of Idaho, known at the time as Albertson, 7-2. So this is the first time since 1995 that the Warriors have hosted an opening round tournament uh, to get to the series that season, LCSC, beat Albertson twice, including in the final to get to the World Series in Sioux City, Iowa, as well. Another blurb from our friends over at the Lewiston 
Tribune. So LCSC Cody is 51 and four. They are 19 and three in cross or in cascade play. This is their first opening round in the modern day format, which started in 2009, their first opening round in school history. They have no wins and no opening round titles. It sounds kind of silly to say, but it's all true. 332 team average, 430 on base percentage, 638 hits, 86 home runs, 284 team ERA, which is a national leader, 556 in strikeouts, 10.66 K per nine, 541 runs scored, 175 runs allowed. LC's entering their very first opening round on a 12-game winning streak. Uh, player to watch, Sam Linscott, 392 average, 31 extra base hits, 23 stolen bases, kind of a Swiss Army knife, kind of do a lot of things for them. Aiden Nagel and Luke White both, ironically, have 338 averages apiece. Uh, Nagel has 13 home runs. Luke White has 17 home runs. A good lineup for LC. You're always going to get that. Trent Sellers has been an absolute dude on the mound, one of the best pitchers in AI baseball. 87 innings pitch, 175 ERA, and 119 punch outs. Yeah, this is a good LC team, and they've got a good two seed as well in Vanguard, who's 43 and 13. 23 and 9 in GSAC play, sixth opening round all time for them. Second in a row, 13 and 8 all time in the opening rounds, one opening round title. 318 team average, 426 on base percentage, 584 hits, 63 home runs, 3.97 team ERA with 399 strikeouts. They've scored 477 runs and allowed 244. Yeah, this is the best two seed we've seen so far. Uh, Vanguard, six and four in their last 10. Unfortunately, those four losses might have played a role in them being a two seed just with the way. They finished third in the regular season due to some unfortunate circumstances, and then to go one and two in the tournament. But really good team. Joe Johnson, 329 average, 16 home runs. Chad Sutton, 339 average, 10 home runs. GSAC player of the year, Aki Buxton, 348, 21 extra base hits, 37 stolen bases. I think where this Vanguard team, if they want to go back to Lewiston, they're going to need Justin Graves, 73 innings pitch, 331 ERA, 103 strikeouts. 103 punch-outs and 73 innings from the left side. Justin Graves gets it done. And then you look at Lucas Bixby, 3-1-3 ERA and 75 innings, 50 Ks. They need those two to be on their game and be elite to take those first two wins. Because to beat LC twice, I mean, you're going to have to beat them at least on Tuesday. The three seed is Doan. They are 37-12, and 24-4 out of the GPAC. Fifth opening round, second in a row. No opening round titles for them at Doan, they have a 316 team average, 511 hits, 54 home runs, 432 ERA, 454 Ks. They've scored 423 runs, allowed 217. Doan, the GPAC regular season champ, six and four in their last 10. Not what they wanted to see out in the tournament, but they're still a really good ball club. Joe Osborne, the GPAC player of the year, 18 home runs, Robbie hitting 348 on the season. Andy Seiler, 362 average. 27 extra base hits, 30 bags. And Lucas White, who didn't get to play a lot of this season coming off injury, is all in the eyeball first baseman for us this year. 352, seven home runs and limited sample size. Aaron Forrest, 77 Ks in 55 innings. And Julian Vargas has been their dude. 67 innings pitch, 282 ERA, 75 Ks. I'm actually, we'll get into it in a minute. I'm really looking forward to seeing the best of the G-Pack versus one of the best of the GSAC. This is just, you know, a matchup that we don't get to see very often. So I'm actually really looking forward to that matchup. 
The four seed is the University of British Columbia, who's 29 and 24 with 15 and 9 out of the Cascade. So in the same conference as LC, this is their ninth opening round all time. Their first since 2019, 11 and 16 all time in the opening round with no titles. A 279 average, 493 hits, 37 home runs, 594 ERA as a team. Cody, they have scored 326 runs and allowed 327. And not exactly the style UBC team we're used to. Eight and two in their last 10, though, did play well down the stretch. Obviously, their two losses are to LC. Uh, Ty Pinner hitting 343, 10 home runs, 45 RBIs. And Brandon Hube, 287, but 10 home runs, 41 RBIs. Shane LaForest has a 5-4 ERA in 69 innings. And Ryan Battelle, 71 innings pitch, 77 strikeouts. And last but not least in the Lewiston bracket, Cody, it is St. Catherine out of the Cal Pack, who is 31 and 21. They went 17 and 10 in that Cal Pack. Second opening round, it's their second in a row. They're one and two all time in the opening round with no opening round titles, but a 291 team average, 390 on base percentage, 498 hits, just two shy of 500 for the season, 45 home runs and a 581 team ERA, 405 Ks, 361 runs scored, 361 runs allowed. St. Catherine is 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games, but picked up two huge wins over Ben Mesa at Ben Mesa to clinch their automatic qualifier as the Calpac runner-up. Two big, big wins for them. Brady Ware is a name to watch. 344 average, 14 home runs, driven in 59, also thrown 74 innings on the mound. Brady Ware has punched out 78. And then you look at a guy, Seth Spencer is a big K guy too, 82 Ks and 73 innings. Uh, this is an interesting St. Catherine team who got hot at the right time. Now, Robin, before we do our picks, I do want to note yep. for this bracket, I have little notes for some of these brackets. LC, they're 1-0 against Vanguard this year. They beat them 16-3 on January 28th. Justin Graves, one of the best pitchers in this bracket, got lit up in that game. I think it's worth noting. Gave up eight runs in one inning. Justin Graves right now has a 3-1-3 ERA. If you give up the eight runs in one inning, his ERA is way lower. Uh, LC is 6-0 versus British Columbia this year. I think that's worth noting the I actually handled UBC this year. Usually UBC can give them a little bit of trouble, not this season. And Vanguard and St. Catherine played in a doubleheader, which they split on January 29th. So that's why, you know, this 4-5 matchup for me, Cody, is kind of a toss-up because uh, I could see this going either way. British Columbia is more offensive than we're used to seeing them. Uh, usually they're a pitching-heavy team with it, that's just a, a pitching powerhouse in, at British Columbia. I mean, they've had the most uh, players drafted out of this league in the last couple of years. Uh, but really a toss-up between British Columbia and St. Catherine. Which way are you going to go with it? I'm going to go British Columbia. They can find a way. Yeah, I, I like UBC in, in that one also. I think just just the overall offense might be a little bit uh, too much, and they're going to be comfortable. They already know what it's like to play at Harris Field. They've done it uh, multiple times this season. Uh, the 2-3 matchup is a good one, Vanguard and Doan. Uh, if you're Vanguard, what are you doing with Doan? Are you throwing Graves? Are you holding Graves? Yeah, I don't think they will. I think that maybe you see Bixby here. And then, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, well, obviously LC tore up Graves earlier this season, but that was one outing in January. Do you want to give him a shot? Justin Graves' last outing in the GSAC tournament, he punched out 14 across seven innings and allowed one hit. I mean, he was absolutely elite. Uh, so I don't know. I would think you'd want to have Graves for LC. But I'm not sure. Either way, I like Vanguard in this matchup, whether it's Crazed or Bixby. I think they're just too much offensively. I think they're going to be a little bit too much. 
Yeah, I, I, I think Vanguard offensively might be a little much for Doan. And then, uh, it, I mean, that'll be really interesting. I think that's going to be another really good 2-3 matchup. I'm interested, like you said, best of the G-Pack versus one of the best of the G-Sack. And then that brings us to the 4-1 matchup, the seventh time they're going to meet this season, British Columbia, Lewis Clark State. I mean, Cody, let's just get into this part. LCSC for this for this tournament feels feels like the right call. Yeah, they're fifty-one and four. I think that they're the best team in this bracket. I was pleasantly surprised. Like I kind of figured, like you know, we talked about before, Vanguard seemed like they were destined to go to LC. But earlier in the year, I didn't even think that they would get a two this hard. This is a tough two for LC now because the difference between being a one and a two for Vanguard seemed like it came down to the last week of the season. Um, this is definitely a tough two. I think Vanguard's a really good team, uh, but I think LC is an elite team and a national championship contender and i think they'll find a way having to beat them twice at home is going to be ridiculously tough yeah and as far as dark horse goes would you just be comfortable with saying vanguard yeah vanguard would be like the dark horse of this tournament we move on to the fifth opening round it is in miami gardens from miami gardens florida hosted by st thomas university at paul demi maneri field at frank r esposito stadium Cody, a four-team bracket here. The number one seed is St. Thomas. They are 38-17, and 14-10 and 10 in Sun Conference play. This is their 10th opening round, their seventh straight, 19-13 and 13 all-time. Three opening round titles for them. 309 average for the team, uh, 582 hits, 58 home runs, 448 team ERA. They've scored 424 runs and allowed 276. Offensively leading the way for the Bobcats, Andrew Fernandez hitting 354 this year, 16 doubles, 11 home runs. And then Robin Fernandez, first baseman, 389 average, 12 doubles, 11 home runs. Chase Costello, who hasn't got to pitch a lot this year because of injury, 31 innings pitched, 41 punch outs. Crosby brings her 66 punch outs in 61 innings. And then you look at the quality of depth they have. Chris Coypel, 70 Ks in 65 innings. Gio Soto seems like he's transitioned into the bullpen guy now. 40 punch outs in 34 innings. This is a deep staff, really good on the mound. I'm really excited to see what St. Thomas can do, see if they can work their way back to Lewiston. Making the trip by driving all the way from McPherson, Kansas to Miami Gardens, Florida, is McPherson, the two seed, 39 and 12, 27 and 6 in the KCAC, second opening round, second in a row, two and two all time, zero opening round titles, a 326. Team average, 557 hits, 81 home runs, a 480 team ERA. Cody, they've scored 449 runs and allowed 249. McPherson, 7-3 in their last 10 games. Uh, the two All-Americans entering this season lead the way offensively. Trevor Johnson, 400 average, 19 home runs, 68 RBIs. What a hitter he's been in his time in the NAI. I mean, every year Trevor Johnson just puts out ridiculous offensive numbers. And James Canner, 350, 14 bombs, 51 driven in. Alex Escobar is ace for returning for another season. 81 innings pitched, 87 Ks. Matic has been special this year. 73 innings pitched, 3-2-1 ERA, 87 strikeouts. That's big-time numbers in the KCAC. So McPherson's coming into this tournament looking really good. It's a two-seed. Making the trip down south uh, from Babson Park is the three-seed Weber International, 38-19, 12-12 in the Sun Conference, fourth opening round, first since 2019. 5-6 all-time in the opening round. Uh, WIU hitting 289, they're 298 as a team with 42 home runs, 474 Ks, and a 458 team ERA. They scored 405 runs and allowed 272. Weber is 5 and 5 in their last 10. 
Um, unfortunately, 0-2 against St. Thomas in the last week. Offensively, Kenny Rodriguez leads the way. 365 average, 14 doubles, 15 home runs, driven in 69 runs. Angel Diaz, 15 extra base hits, hits north to 300 with 43 RBIs. On the mound, Dylan Martin, the freshman and nicknamed the Outlaw. 92 innings pitched this year, 94 Ks, 359 ERA. And Xavier Rodriguez, 86 innings pitched, 344 ERA, 92 strikeouts. And a top bullpen arm to watch for Weber, once again, is Ray Rodriguez, who has been a player to watch the last few years. Cody, last but not least, the four seed in this tournament in Middle Georgia State, who is 30-19-1, 12-12 in Southern State's play. This is their sixth opening round in their sixth straight. They're 8-10 all-time with no opening round titles. They're hitting 283 with 39 home runs, a 4-3-8 team ERA. They've scored 350 runs and allowed 235. Middle Georgia is 6-4 in their last 10 games. Uh, Ryan Wilson offensively, 302 average, 11 home runs, 57 driven in. Rafael Gomez Jr., 317 average, 7 bombs, 25 bags. And on the mound, they're led by their 1-2, and, and it's been the 1-2 for a while now. Garrett Martin, 79 innings pitch, 284 ERA, 92 punchouts. And Jackson Braden, 72 innings pitch, 334 ERA, 81 Ks. Both of these guys pitched in an opening round a year ago. Cody, the 2-3 matchup is McPherson versus Weber International. It'll be interesting to see how McPherson's game transitions into uh, driving so far and then playing uh, in in a whole different area, uh, taking on a Sun Conference team. This is going to be a tough one for McPherson. Weber International, though, has has you know been up and down as of late. They I did not think they had a as strong of an ending to their season as they did a beginning. No, they didn't. So the common opponents in this one is St. Thomas and Weber, obviously. St. Thomas is three and two versus Weber. Weber took the season series two to one, but St. Thomas was two and zero oh in the tournament against Weber. Weber got both of their losses last week against the Bobcats. I'm going to take McPherson in this matchup. I'm going to take a flyer on McPherson to just score enough runs. They're going to have to go out there and score some runs. Now Weber is a really good pitching team, and if McPherson goes out there and maybe they throw Blaine Maddock, they throw Escobar, they probably play it straight up and throw Escobar in a really good two three matchup. And I think McPherson can find a way to score some runs and win this game. It'll be a close competitive game. Like we said with the GSAC and GPAC, I'm actually really looking forward to having some KCAC teams play some of these Southern elite teams this year. Yeah, it'll it'll really be interesting to see um, if the pitching of Weber International transitions against McPherson. I I think the offense might be just too much of McPherson in this one. The 1-4 matchup is St. Thomas in middle Georgia. Uh, Cody, I like St. Thomas in this game just because I think St. Thomas is a team that they can find themselves down to middle Georgia uh, and still find a way to claw back into this one. Yeah, these are programs that are like really quite familiar with each other. They've opened up at each other's place a couple of times the last few years. Uh, give me St. Thomas. I just think that they're going to be the more talented team, and I think that they'll find a way to get it done. Who do you have winning this opening round, and is there a dark horse? Well, I think this and this is going to obviously rage some middle Georgia people off, but I think it could go three deep. I think you got McPherson, Weber, or St. Thomas can get hot and win this tournament. I think this is the most open one we've talked about so far on the show. I'm mm-hmm. going to go with St. Thomas. I think my I think they're the most talented team. I feel really good about that. But St. Thomas, to end the year, has not played their best baseball. Now, they've had a good showing in the Sun Conference tournament, played themselves into the final, got up on Southeastern, played well there. But, man, the last month of the season, they were struggling. Uh, but I'm going to roll with the Bobcats just off talent alone. But if McPherson won this tournament, would it shock me? No. 
if Weber won the tournament, would it shock me now? If there was a pure elite pitcher in this tournament, I would have a hard time taking St. Thomas um, because as series go deeper and they, they get St. Thomas gets you deeper and deeper into your, into your pen and rotation, they get better. Uh, so for that, I'm going to have to take St. Thomas and I think McPherson would have the next best opportunity. And then Weber, you know, it, it goes straight down the numbers here for this opening round. Cody, we move on to the Montgomery bracket or the Faulkner Alabama bracket as uh, the NAI might suggest it is from Montgomery, Alabama. Faulkner is hosting from Harris Harrison field there in Montgomery. The number one overall seed is Ottawa in this bracket, who is 42 and eight 30 and four in the KCAC second opening round, second in a row. They are two and two all time in opening rounds with no opening round titles. They're hitting 321 as a team. 501 hits, 78 home runs, a 334 team ERA, 533 strikeouts, 12.03 K per nine, 442 runs scored, 205 runs allowed. One of the bigger surprises of this season are the Ottawa Braves. They're 7-3 in their last 10, led offensively by Holland Bone, 427 average, 26 home runs, 68 driven in. Uh, leadoff hitter Jonah Wisner, 424 average, 16 home runs, 55 RBIs. On the mound, they're a three-headed monster. Hector Sepulveda, 69 innings pitched, 109 Ks in 69 innings, Robbie. 235 ERA. Tyler Bryant, 77 innings pitched, 267 ERA, 112 strikeouts. And Stephen Norell, 89 innings pitched, 363 ERA, 106 strikeouts. Yeah, they have three guys with over 106 Ks. Uh, they're a three-headed monster on the mound. They're really good, really good in that area. The two-seed is Faulkner. Who is 34 and 15, 24 in the Southern States, 12th opening round, 12th straight, 28 and 8 all time with eight opening round titles. That's eight straight opening round titles. A 285 team average, 448 hits, 49 home runs, 459 ERA, 367 runs scored, 254 runs allowed. Faulkner 7 and 3 in their last 10, played well in the tournament, ended up falling to William Carey and a good arm there in Chris Williams. Sean Ross is on fire right now. 347 average, 18 home runs, 65 driven in. Evan Gilliam, 307, six home runs, 43 RBIs. Yuli Sosa, one of the better pitchers in the country, 79 innings pitch, 135 ERA, 111 Ks. He has legit been an elite of the elite in NAI baseball. And then JC Toro, 80 innings pitch, 80 strikeouts, 373 ERA. It's a really good Faulkner team. One of the best Faulkner teams we've ever seen, no. But is this a Faulkner team that can sneak up and win this regional? Yes. The three seed is Kaiser University out of West Palm Beach, Florida. They are 35 and 20, 14 and 10 in the Sun Conference, fourth opening round, fourth in a row, seven and five all time, two opening round titles, 315 average, 585 hits, 74 home runs, 539 ERA, 449 runs scored, 312 runs allowed. I don't know if you're getting a trend, but they're also 7-3 and three in their last 10. Seems like everyone is in here. Tim Bouchard, two-time All-NAI ball, 404 average, 18 home runs, 72 RBIs. What impresses me the most is he's walked 54 times this year. That's absolutely insane in a college baseball season. Nate Brodsky, 360 average, 9 home runs, 48 driven in. Garrett Rise, ace on the mound for the Seahawks, 90 innings pitch, 302 ERA, 95Ks. And they actually bring one of the better relievers nationally into this bracket. 31 innings pitch, only giving up 14 hits, punched out 53 in 31 innings, has a sub ERA at 0.88. That's Brandon McCabe. He has been very good for the Seahawks. 
And last but not least, the four seed is Reinhardt, 35 and 21, 21 and 9 in Appalachian Athletic Conference play. Their third opening round, second in a row, five and three all time with one opening round title, hitting 292, 38 home runs, 384 team ERA, 376 runs scored, 254 runs allowed. Cody Reinhardt, the four seed. Reinhardt, six and four in their last 10. Tucker's a Dunick, 378 average, 16 home runs, 63 RBIs. Insane season for him. Jarrett Bernie, 11 extra base hits, 23 stolen bases, hitting in a 365 clip. Uh, there, where Reinhardt really excels this season is on the mound. Pablo Barquero, 81 innings pitched, 264 ERA. And then Ethan Foley. Ethan Foley has thrown 104 innings this year. He has been a workhorse for the Eagles. 104 innings, 224 ERA. Uh, they have two starters with a sub 270 ERA. And that gives you a chance when you're. In a bracket like this, you have two guys that can really go out there you can count on. So, Cody, I actually want to start at the 2-3 matchup here. Faulkner versus Kaiser. If you're Faulkner, you have no cho- choice but to throw uh, Sosa. Yeah, you're probably going to have to throw Sosa, and that's why I'm leaning Faulkner in this one. I feel pretty confident that Faulkner is going to go out there and throw their best arm, and you know, as long as Kaiser doesn't jump on. Now, we've seen Kaiser go out there and jump on a guy like Rob Adams, who is elite yeah. this season. But uh, it'll be interesting to see because that's a very good hitting three. Uh, in Kaiser, but I'm going to take Faulkner. Yeah, I, I actually think it's going to be probably the one of the better offensives that Faulkner's seen this season uh, because I, w- I want to say when they saw Tennessee Wesleyan, uh, was that a weekend series or was that midweek? Uh, Faulkner played Tennessee Wesleyan on a Sunday at the Grizzly invite. It was just a one game, and uh, yeah, just one game. Okay, yeah, so I'm, I'm – it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm a KU guy, so I'm going to roll with Kaiser, uh, and then Ottawa Reinhardt in the one four. Uh, Ottawa deep with the pitching, their offense. If they show up, uh, you know, like they have most of the season, it's going to be tough to beat uh, Reinhardt. Obviously, with a, a couple of good arms. Yeah, I'm going to take Ottawa. I just think Ottawa is going to be a little too much for them. Especially you look at like Hector Sepulveda and who he's their quote unquote number three. Even though he pitched all, he pitched game one in their tournament in KCAC against Oklahoma Wesleyan. A punch out 14 and eight innings. That's just special stuff. Uh, one thing I do want to hit on, haven't hit on it yet. Uh, so there's one common opponent this regional. Reinhardt is two and one against Faulkner. And across those three games, the total run differential is four across three combined games. So they're playing a one run game, a one run game, and a two run game. And uh, Reinhardt did take two of three off Faulkner. And that was not a series, it was across three different months. But yeah. Who do you like in this tournament, Cody? You know, I feel like there's there's possibly several different ways you could go about this. Yeah, to me, this one is a Ottawa Faulkner regional. It's, man, I've been going back and forth, and I'm going to take Faulkner. I just def taxes and Faulkner going to the Lewis, and it's just you know one thing we don't get into a lot of stuff we talk about off air, but there are some people that we when we saw the brackets. We thought, man, this is the toughest bracket. And then some people don't think that because they don't, they're don't they not believing in Ottawa. We believe in Ottawa. I think Ottawa is an elite baseball team. And I think Ottawa can go out there and beat Faulkner. Um, I just think to have to beat Faulkner twice at their field when I think that they're going to start 1-0 and be able to bring Sosa back. And you know they're, they're going to have to bring Sosa back. And I don't mean like he's going to start a game, but he's going to have to come back. And he's going to have to get you some innings, just like they did with Frias last year. They're going to have to throw Frias game one that – Last year, it's pretty much the same format. They played St. Thomas. They had to throw free as their ace, and then they brought them back to get a couple of saves and get a win. I think that's what's going to happen here. I think Sosa's going to throw a gym on Monday, 
and he's going to have to come back on Wednesday against a really good Ottawa team and give them some innings because they don't, you know, if they don't bring Sosa back, I don't think they can do it. I think Ottawa's the better pitching team by far. But give me Faulkner at home with their athleticism and their offense to find a way to score some more runs. It's going to be tough uh, because, you know, you're playing in Montgomery and all the things that come with that, you know, and then Ottawa, I think, has the deeper pitching in this tournament. Uh, I Kaiser, it's going to be really hard for them to just outslug everybody. It'll be interesting to see. I, I, I want to say Ottawa. I want to say Ottawa, and I think that's what I'm going to roll with is is Ottawa. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if Faulkner did win this one. Uh, just because you know they are playing at home in Montgomery, and and you know you you do have Sosa. I, I do think that no matter what, Sosa is the best pitcher in this bracket, and that's hard to say when you look at the three guys from from Ottawa. So I'm going to stick with Ottawa as the one seed here, but it, it's not going to surprise me if the two seed pulls that out as well. Cody, we move on here to the next bracket in this opening round tournament and it is from Oklahoma City University the Oklahoma City bracket from Jim Wade Stadium the number 1 seed is Oklahoma City University who is 47 and 4 22 and 2 in Sooner Athletic play 12th opening round 5th in a row 27 and 12 all time in the opening round with 6 opening round titles hitting 366 as a team with 608 hits 99 home runs a 364 team ERA 552 runs scored 178 runs allowed Oklahoma City entering this opening round 9-1 in their last 10. Uh, the one game they did lose a while back was a midweek to friends that they led the entire game and ended up blowing in the ninth. Cross-factor offensively, uh, player of the year frontrunner, I'd have to say going into this opening round, 522 average. He's hitting 522 going into an opening round. 26 doubles, 26 home runs, 81 runs driven in. Absolutely video game numbers. My road to the show guy on rookie does not have that good of numbers. Uh, Peyton Crispin, 466, 30 doubles. I mean, my goodness, Oklahoma City can just swing it. Peyton Crispin, 30 doubles, 12 home runs, 78 driven in. Uh, you look on the mound, Tanner Schoenger, 75 innings, 348 ERA, 64 Ks. And then an All-American lock, it seems like, an Eli Davis, 107 ERA, 91 punch outs in 67 innings. Uh, this is the best pitching Oklahoma City team. We've said it that we've seen since 2018, at least, if not going back further. Because even in 2018, they didn't have a guy like Eli Davis on the mound. Uh, he's one of the best pitchers they've had in a long time. Yeah, I, I do think they look really good. Uh, Oklahoma City does look really good in that one. The two seed is Freed Hardeman, 37 and 15, 19 and 5 in the Mid South, seventh opening round, fourth in a row, 12 and 9 all time, two opening round titles, hitting 307 as a team with 64 home runs, a 435 team ERA, 374 runs scored, 234 runs allowed. Five and five in their last 10. Did play the if necessary game uh, down the stretch in the Mid South tournament. Uh, so they've got a quality showing in the Mid South tournament for sure. Really good showing. Uh, but to end the season, not their best. Five and five. They're going to get it done on the mound. They're going to want to keep these games low scoring. You're not going to want to get in a slug fight with Oklahoma City. Tyler Duskin, 79 innings pitched, 297 ERA. Colton Hunt, 79 innings pitched, 332 ERA. A uh, guy that's like a mix between a reliever and a starter is Connor Creasy, who has Lewis in experience. 40 innings pitched, 45 Ks with a 2.70 ERA. Um, we've seen him start. We've seen him come out of the pen a lot this year. Used to be a starter. Did get to see him get the start in a Mid-South tournament game. So not really sure what he'll do in the opening round, but he's an arm to watch. 
The three seed in this one, Cody, is Mid-America Nazarene from Kansas. MNU is 36-16, and 26-6 in the heart. Fifth opening round, second in a row, five and eight all time. No opening round titles. They're hitting 334, 524 hits, 68 hits, 4.92 ERA, 407 runs scored, 241 runs allowed. One of the hotter teams in the nation, eight and two in their last 10. But if you go back 20, 30 games, they've been really rolling. Uh, Bryson Sherwood offensively, 345 average, 11 home runs, 37 driven in. And then our guy, Joshua Sandoval, 305, 14 home runs, 46 RBIs. Zach Trevino on the mound, 85 innings, 392 ERA, but punched out 97. And then one of the best relievers in NAIA baseball, putting together one of the better seasons we've seen, Nathan Torres. 22 innings pitched, has not given up a run. He's allowed four hits, Robbie, in 22 innings. Four hits. He's punched out 41 in 22 innings. 41 Ks, 22 innings, four hits, no runs. And that's Nathan Torres. He is an absolute dude for Man American Nazarene. I'm excited to see him throw more. And uh, he's going to have to throw a lot in this regional if they're going to have a chance. The four seed is LSU Alexandria, 33 and 14, 25 and 8. In the Red River, fifth opening round, first since 2018, two and eight all time in opening rounds. No opening round titles for them, but they are hitting 309, 460 hits, 47 home runs, 4.578 ERA, and then 429 runs scored to 240 allowed. Cody, so far, this is a super offensive opening round. Now, I want to apologize to the great people of Louisiana for messing up their names ahead of time, but uh, LSUA is seven and three in their last 10. Swept through that Red River tournament. Really good stuff there to the clinch their bid. All right, we're going to go with Seth Tron. And I only know his name is Tron because we talked with their coach earlier in the year. 65 innings, 372 ERA, 61 strikeouts. We're going to go with Hunter Mechie. 66 in each pitch, 72 punch outs. And Peyton Markenzel, 362, 13 doubles, 8 home runs. And Jordan Ardoin, 375, 16 doubles, 7 home runs. I will say these. Bayou names could be really tough on us, especially as Georgia vote. And the fifth seed is Kansas Wesleyan, the Cinderella story dancing in to the tournament, 34-27 and 27 from the KCAC. It's their fourth opening round and their first since 2011. They're 6-6 six and six all time with no opening round titles. They're hitting 291 as a team with 94 home runs, a 499 team ERA, 472 runs scored, 339 runs allowed. Dude, Kansas Wesleyan is one of the hottest teams in the nation right now. And it's crazy to think about. They're 9-1 in their last 10. They've won five straight elimination games. They have beat Tabor five times in the last two weeks, and that's a nationally ranked opponent. I mean, Hayden Brown offensively, 340 average, 16 doubles, 17 home runs, 62 RBIs. Will Dryber, 409 average, 28 extra base hits, 33 stolen bases. This is a good offensive club, Kansas Wesleyan. On the mound, Trent Duyer, 88 innings pitched, 102 punch outs. And then a guy that's a mix between the starter and the reliever, Spencer Foley, 50 innings pitched, but it's only about 28 hits and 179 ERA. So, Cody, in this one, the 4 5 is going to be one of the better 4 5 matchups we'll see. And that's LSUA and Kansas Wesleyan. I'm going to lean towards Kansas Wesleyan just because they are on fire right now. I agree. I think they have the better offense. I think they play in a better conference, and I think they're playing the best baseball right now between the two. 
And then that brings us to the two, three matchup of freed and mid American Naz. And I'm actually going to give the edge to mid American Naz just because this is such an offensive heavy uh, bracket. I think mid American Naz is going to be comfortable playing at Jim Wade. 100%, especially with their guys at Trevino on the mound. I'm going mid-American Nazarene, too. I think offensively, they're one of the better offensive teams. One thing worth noting, I didn't get to mention earlier, so Oklahoma City and mid-American Nazarene have played twice. OCU is 2-0, and 12-1, uh, and 8-5. to And then that brings us to pretty much who we think is going to win. I- I'm really comfortable saying OCU. Yeah, I feel good. It would be total upset if Oklahoma City didn't make Lewis in this year. Uh, they've been one of the more consistent teams all season long, they've been one of the better teams we've seen the last few years. Uh, this is a really good ball club. I think that they're the number three national seed. And that's just me guessing, but I actually feel really confident of that. Uh, mm-hmm. Extremely confident of that, wink, wink. But uh, yeah, I think Oklahoma City is going to go to Lewis and be a three seed. Yeah, I, I really like Oklahoma City's chances. Cody, we move on to our final four seed or four team bracket, and that is in Westmont, hosted, hosting the Santa Barbara bracket from. Uh, Russell Carr field and the one seed is Westmont who's 42 and 11 seventh opening round fourth in a row nine and 12 all time with no opening round titles they're hitting 304 they have a 410 team ERA and they have 390 runs scored to 237 allowed Westmont comes into the opening round five and five in their last 10 Simon Reed the catcher 388 average 20 doubles 10 home runs 51 ribeyes Josh Rigo 374 12 doubles, 9 home runs, 59 RBIs. Now, the theme of this regional to me, this is like the Gwinnett, one of the better pitching opening rounds you're going to see. Really good pitching in this bracket. Brian Peck, 73 innings pitch, 3-4-4 ERA, 60 strikeouts. Eric Osaguera, 58 innings pitch, 2-6-5 ERA. And then Bradley Heacock, 70 innings pitch, 3-8-8 ERA. And anytime you get these guys with sub-4 ERAs in the GSAC and playing in the little bitty stadiums where it's 375 to center, Shout out to Westmont. Uh, I think it's a really noted feat, and I think this Westmont team is really good pitching. The number two seed is Indiana Southeast, with who's 39 and 13. Eighth opening round, six straight, 11 and 12 all time, with one opening round title coming last year at 327 average, a 440 ERA, 449 runs scored, 256 runs allowed. IUS is coming into this matchup nine and one in their last 10 games. Uh, Trevor Campbell, 411 average, 25 doubles, 10 home runs, conference player of the year, well deserved. Brody Tanksley, 363 average, 18 doubles, 14 home runs, just have been an absolute dude as the backstop for the Grenadiers. Hunter Clucky, 87 innings pitch, 259 ERA, 102 Ks. Lane Osterling, 56 punch outs in 62 innings. This is one of the better two seeds in the nation. Definitely agree with that. This is one of the better two seeds in the nation. The three seed is also a good one in Olivet Nazarene from the Chicagoland, who is 38 and 15, fourth opening round, third in a row, one and six all time in the opening round with no opening round titles. They hit 311. They have an ERA of 370. They've scored 376 runs and allowed 197. Olivet Nazarene is nine and one in their last 10. But more importantly, I tracked this back last night. They are 29 and one since March 20th. They've lost one game in two months. Offensively leading the way, Tyler Wheeler, 352 average, 12 home runs, 40 RBIs. Robert Jackman, 366 average, 16 extra base hits. But where all that really stands out, man, is on the mound. Ethan Underwood, 81 innings pitched, 48 hits allowed, and a 167 ERA. He has been a dude a couple years running now for them. And then Aaron Gustafson, 
78 innings pitch, 265 ERA, 87 Ks. Depending on whatever way they want to go, that's going to be a matchup thing. Whoever they like better against IUS, they have two legit arms in Ethan Underwood and Aaron Gustafson. The four seed is Antelope Valley, who's 37 and 11 out of the Cal Pack. Fourth opening round, first since 2019. Five and five all time in the opening round, one opening round title coming back in 2017. 324 team average for them, 433 team ERA, 431 runs scored, 224 runs allowed. UAB swept the Cal Pack regular season and tournament, nine and one in their last 10, playing really good baseball right now. Noah Blythe. 386 average, 26 extra base hits, 55 RBIs. Dominic Embody, 367 with 24 extra base hits, 51 RBIs. Uh, kind of have a one-two punch of their own. Andrew Garcia, 85 innings, 244 ERA, 84 Ks. In that Calpac tournament game, went CG shutout with 10 strikeouts. He was an absolute dude. Calvin Perchin, 71 innings pitch, 254 ERA, 64 strikeouts. Cody, let's start with a 2-3 matchup here. IU Southeast, Olivet Nazarene. Um, I think IU Southeast is just massively underrated. I like them in this matchup. That's unfortunate. I was really looking forward to seeing where Olivet could go this year. They were so dominant in the CCAC. And unfortunately, they went to, in my opinion, one of the tougher brackets in the nation. Uh, this is a really tough bracket, and you'll see by my pick in a minute. But yeah, I'm going to take IUS. I think that they're just a more complete team. And then on top of that, a 1-4 matchup, Westmont-Antelope Valley. I'm going to give Westmont the edge at home. Upset alerts. Yeah, I'm going to take Antelope Whoa. Valley here. Yeah, this is where I'm going to take an upset. I'm going to take Antelope Valley. And I want to pass an interesting note that was shared to us by Brian Peck's dad. UAV's starter ace, Andrew Garcia, who's probably going to be the guy that will throw against Brian Peck in that game one matchup for Westmont. Andrew Garcia's dad was the youth pitching coach of Westmont ace, Brian Peck. And Andrew was actually the catcher for many of Brian Peck's bullpens back in the day. So you have two kids that know each other, ace versus ace, Brian Peck for Westmont, Andrew Garcia for UAV, potentially matching up Monday. And I am going to take UAV. I think this is a slim margin. I really, and I, I spoke with a couple of coaches about this one already. This is one of those ones where I can see multiple teams winning this bracket. Yeah. Like I can see multiple teams winning this bracket. You'll eventually get my champion in the next one, but can I just go out and say it? I think IUS is going to win. So I have IUS winning this bracket. I have IUS going back to Lewiston. I have that at the beginning of the season. That's not faltered. Um, I've stuck with them through their hard times, too. I think you, me and you both did. But uh, I think Antelope Valley go out here and win this first game. Antelope Valley and Westmont, you know, I don't think they're that world's far apart. I think Antelope Valley is a team that never gets ranked. Kind of like, you know how, like, in football, the later games, they don't get seen, so they don't get talked about. They're not on TV until 11 o'clock at night or whatever. Yeah. That's kind of how I think Antelope Valley is. Antelope Valley is a really good program, and I just think they never get the respect, I guess, maybe because of their conference. I'm not sure. But you're telling me they can't come out here and do that? Of course they can. This is a team that beat Hope International this year. It's a one seed. So, yeah, give me Antelope Valley. Give me Andrew Garcia. We'll pull a massive upset on Monday. I mean, I would have put the Cal Pack over several conferences this season, including like the AMC, you know, in, in, in terms of of talent, especially from the top two teams, especially from Antelope Valley. Um, but IUS is my pick. I think that IUS was punished for playing a really tough schedule uh, at the beginning of the year, and they were injured, and they went winless. And look at where they are at now. They're 39 and 13. They went 20 and 4 in conference play. IUS is a good ball club. I like IUS in that uh, opening round. And, you know, I mean, not to say that it couldn't be Westmont. That wouldn't shock me, but I, I think IUS 
is just massively underrated. And, you know, we'll see if they can go out there and prove that. Cody, we go on to the Shreveport bracket hosted by LSUS from Shreveport, Louisiana at Pilot Field, or as some would rather call it, Pirate Field in Shreveport, Louisiana. Number one, LSUS is 47-5. and five. They were 31-2 and two in the Red River Athletic Conference play. This is their 13th opening round and 13th in a row. They're 20-19 and 19 all time and three opening round titles. They have a 365 team average, 59 home runs, 356 team ERA, 550 runs scored, 180 runs allowed. Shreveport 8-2 and two in their last 10, obviously dropping their last two in the Red River Tournament. We just didn't see coming. I expect them to bounce back. Austin and Nicholas, 396 average, 30 extra base hits this year. Uh, Julian Flores hitting 453 with 13 doubles and 10 home runs. And then the two monsters they have on the mound, Bobby Bath, 78 innings, 2-3-1 ERA, 105 Ks. And Kevin Miranda, 133 strikeouts in 73 innings, 1-8-5 ERA. Uh, I just think Treeport's locked and loaded, ready to go. The two seed is Science and Arts of Oklahoma, 35-13, and 17-7 in the Sooner Athletics, seventh opening round and sixth straight, 11-6 all-time, two opening round titles, 332 team average. 62 home runs, 520 team ERA, 399 runs scored, 243 runs allowed. The Drovers entered the opening round 5-5 five and five in the last 10. Had a good showing in the Sooner Athletic Tournament, but dropped a series to Texas Wesleyan late. Luis Playoff, 407 average, 18 doubles, 10 home runs. Peyton McDowell, 426 on the year average-wise, 19 doubles, 12 home runs. When you look at the dude for them on the mound, it's got to be Drew Shaver. 80 innings pitch, 7-9 ERA. Punched out 94. Uh, their number two, Josh Harrell, 73 innings pitch, 489 with 87 punch outs. The three seed is Lion from the AMC, sixth opening round, their first since 2019, seven and 10 all time in the opening round with no opening round titles. Hitting 305 with a 492 ERA, 400 runs scored, 255 runs allowed. Lion is seven and three in their last 10 games, did win the AMC tournament. Aaron Hurd, 310 average, 26 extra base hits. 50 RBIs, Joe Weatherford, 333 average, 25 extra base hits, 37 RBIs. On the mound, this team is led by Alan West, 96 innings pitched, 281 ERA, and 124 strikeouts. Offensively, he has 23 extra base hits of his own. And then Clayton Burke, 82 innings pitched, 63 Ks, rounds out the staff. The four seed is Loyola, 33-22 and 22 from the Southern State. Second opening round in school history, second in a row. 0-2 all-time, no opening round titles. They are hitting 290 as a team with a 5-5-4 ERA, 385 runs scored, 310 runs allowed. Loyola carries a 5-5 five five record in their last 10 games. Allen Dennis, 370 average, 15 home runs, 56 RBIs. Peyton Alexander, 314, 23 extra base hits, 42 driven in. Brandon Taravella, 55 innings pitch with 50 Ks, but Loyola has an absolute dog on the mound in Steven Steele. 76 innings, 2-5-1 ERA, 91 Ks. He's a guy, if they could hold him back, could give a one seed a little bit of trouble. And that brings us to the five seed, Fisher, 29-28, and 28, second opening round, second in a row, 0-2 all-time with no opening round titles. Hitting 296 with a 6.05 ERA, 351 runs scored, 345 runs allowed. Fisher is 5-5 five five in their last 10 games. Nicholas Lachis, 400 average, 23 extra base hits, 62 RBIs. On the mound, Christian Doe, 
80 innings pitched, 55 Ks, 407 ERA. A reliever for them to watch, Will Carpenter. 16 appearances, 27 innings, 32 punch outs. A guy that kind of gets him going offensively at the plate, Jacob Deziel, 322 average, 22 extra base hits, and 34 stolen bases. Now, Robbie, before we get going, let me let's run over this. Now, this bracket, they're quite familiar with each other. They're not wearing name tags at the banquet. LSU Shreveport, they're 1-0 versus Loyola. They beat Loyola 12-3 on February 7th. Shreveport, they're 2-0 versus Lyon. They beat them 7-4, 12-4 on April 19th. USAO, they're 1-0 versus Loyola. They beat them 6-3 at the Cajun in February. Now, Lyon actually swept Loyola 3-0 mm-hmm. in a sweep in February, and Lyon swept Fisher 4-0 in March. So that's like a lot of teams that have played each other. Yeah, man, it is. It is a lot of teams that have already played each other in this bracket. It'll be interesting to see, Cody, in the 4-5 matchup, who you got. I'm, I'm going to roll with Loyola. Yeah, I'm going to roll with Loyola. I think there's going to be way too much. And then that 2-3 matchup, Science and Arts and Lion. Uh, I like Science and Arts there with the offensive prowess. Uh, Luis Paleo having a, a great season after not playing for two years. Yeah, I, I think this is a toss-up, especially if Lion throws Allen West. Allen West has been really, really good. He's missing bats like crazy. I think Lion, if they throw West here, you're kind of going all in because I don't know how you're going to beat Treeport the next day without him. But give me USAO. I like USAO here to find a way. They're going to throw Shaver. They have to. I don't think USAO can throw off either. I think a lot of times in these two, three matchups, you're kind of forced to just throw your hand because you're not going to win four or five straight. You need to go ahead and win that first game. Give me USAO. And then Shreveport to win this one? I do. I do like Shreveport to win this tournament. Even if, and this is like one of the ones we'll take a flyer on called upset alert. I think Steven Steele could give Shreveport a lot of complications. And I think, even if Shreveport were to say lose a game that night, panic across the country, I would still like Shreveport to come back and win this tournament. I think depth would take over. Um, I, you know, Shreveport or Loyola would have to bring Steele back to beat them again. I just, I like Shreveport overall. I think they're the best team. I think there's a chance that they could get upset Monday night, but I like Shreveport overall. And then Cody, last but not least, it is the Upland bracket hosted by Taylor University in Upland, Indiana from Winter Holder Field. The number one seed is who we project as the number one overall seed in the nation, Southeastern University, 51-3, and 22-2 in Sun Conference play. It's their seventh opening round, their fifth in a row. They're 13-6 and six all-time in opening rounds. They are three-time opening round champions. They're hitting 371 as a team. They have 101 home runs, 675 hits, a 291 team ERA. They have scored 566 runs and allowed 197. Yeah, the most complete team in NAI baseball this year. Southeastern's entering on a 14-game winning streak. Brian Fuentes, 419 average, 15 doubles, 18 home runs, 75 REIs. Abdul Guadalupe, so much postseason experience for Guadalupe. Played in Lewiston a couple of times now. 400 average, 19 doubles, 18 bombs. And then Gary Laura, the newcomer, 402 average, 18 doubles, 18 home runs, 60 driven in. On the mound, they're one and two this year is so much better than it was a year ago at this time. Rob Adams, 98 innings pitch, 110 ERA, 114 punch outs. Drew Gillespie punched out 94 and 73 innings, has a 310. This is a dangerous, dangerous team. The two seed is Northwestern Ohio out of the whack, who is 37 and 12, their fifth opening round, second in a row, nine and six all time, one opening round title, 331 average. 61 home runs, 532 team ERA, 417 runs scored, 248 runs allowed. 
Una's coming into the opening round seven and three in their last 10 games. Johnny Rivera, 416 average, 15 doubles, nine home runs, 53 driven in. Shakir Jackson, 343 average, 22 extra base hits, 47 driven in. On the mound, Jake Carlson, he's the dude. 56 innings pitched, 46 strikeouts. This is a pretty good complete team. I really applaud Uno for testing themselves. They played a really good schedule this year. The three seed is Taylor, who is 40 and 16 out of the Crossroads League, the host team in this site. Seventh opening round. It's their first since 2018. Five and 12 all time in the opening round with no opening round titles. They're hitting 297 with 64 home runs, 5.75 team ERA. 449 punch outs, 478 runs scored, 311 runs allowed. Taylor's entering the opening round 9 and 1 in their last 10 games. Uh, TJ Bass, player of the year, 371 average, 15 doubles, 23 home runs, 93 RBIs. That's an elite bat for them. Connor Crawford has 17 home runs with 69 driven in. And then you look at the pitcher of the year in the conference, they also boast Luke Shively, 89 innings pitched, 58 hits, 232 ERA with 97Ks. Noah Huseman, 76 innings pitched, 98 punch outs. This is a team that can really have some swing and miss stuff on the mound. 377 ERA. Taylor's a good three seed. They won 40 games this year. The four seed is Columbia making their third opening round in their third straight. Three and four all time. No opening round titles. 307 team average, 413 team ERA, 367 runs scored, 233 runs allowed. Indy Stanley is a guy to watch offensively. 423 average, 23 doubles, 10 home runs. And then Braden DeSonia, 314 average with 17 extra base hits. On the mound, it's Dan Fick, and it's Dan Fick by a mile. He has been an absolute dude for the Cougars. 74 innings pitched, 50 hits allowed, 207 ERA. And then Bryce Taylor, 65 innings, 291 ERA with 64 punch outs. And then the fifth seed is Brian, who was 27 and 26, 17 and 13 in Appalachian Athletic Conference play. Cody, seventh opening round, fifth in a row, eight and 12 all time in opening round titles. And they really needed to win their pod to make this tournament. And they did just that, hitting 289 with a 604 ERA, 341 runs scored, 320 runs allowed, Cody. And go ahead and wrap up the Upland bracket for us. Yeah, Brian, 7-3 in their last 10. Darwin Gregg, 289 average, 13 doubles, 8 home runs. Daniel Dryden in 295, 14 doubles and 9 home runs. Cameron Harvey, 56 innings pitch, 57 Ks. But a guy to watch out of the bullpen is Anthony Tejada, who has 56 strikeouts and 36 innings pitch. He has a very live fastball. There's been one common opponent in this bracket. Uno played Brian. They took a 2-1 to series win off Brian. Northwestern Ohio did earlier this season in February. So, Cody, last bracket, last chance for this 4-5 matchup, Columbia-Brian. You know, I think this is actually an interesting game. I don't. I think this is going to be an interesting one. It's like Columbia has a much better record. Brian has a much better schedule. Give me Brian. I'm going to actually take the flyer on Brian in this one. It, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Brian did play far and away the much tougher schedule, and we'll see if it can transcend into that 4-5 game. Uh, and if if Brian can can launch themselves as a five seed into that one matchup with uh, Southeastern University, uh, the two three Uno and Taylor, this is also a good one because you have you know Uno taking on one of the better hitters in the nation in Bass. I agree, and I think they're going to face one of the better pitchers in Luke Shively, and that's why I'm taking Taylor. Uh, Shively's been an absolute dude; he's been shutting people down. 
I think he can do enough and Taylor to score enough. That'll be a close game. It's one of the better two, three matchups. Could really go either way. I'm not going to be surprised if Uno wins, but I will take the flyer on Luke Shively and the Taylor Trojans. I, I do like Taylor as well, but Cody, the winner of this bracket, Southeastern University. I agree. I like the flyer. I really would be absolutely blown away if two years in a row our clear cut number one overall seed drops a regional. I just don't see it happening. I like Southeastern to go 3 0 and punch their ticket back to Lewiston. Cody, that is every single bracket, all 10, man. We, you know, thank you to everybody who hung in there with us for their brackets and the entire wrap up. Uh, you know, Cody, we've, I think, we've been held everybody here captive long enough. Any final thoughts for the podcast this week? I'm absolutely fired up for Monday. Like, I just cannot say yeah. it again. I am fired up for these three days of baseball. I think it's going to be absolutely insane. I think, you know, something that me and you should talk about, I don't know if we've talked about this yet, but it'd be cool to do a spaces kind of each night and just kind of recap a little bit of what we saw. I think stick to the channel. We're obviously going to have every score, every notable player will be put out in the tweet. We'll have stuff on our Instagram story. And yeah, I think working more spaces and more live discussion into the feed is going to be a lot of fun this postseason. 100%. The one good thing uh, that's different from the World Series where the World Series is going on late into the night because of the location, the one good thing for us more than anything will be that because a lot of the games start at the same time, uh, we'll be able to have a decent time spaces uh, to where we can get people in there and talk about what we saw and recap a lot of the game's action. So, Cody, I would 100% say that that you know Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that is 100% doable to uh, do spaces to wrap up the night and talk about what's going on in, in each day. So totally excited about that, man. I am so pumped for the opening round to get underway. Is super excited about it. Have no idea if you're my boss listening to this, because I know sometimes you do. I'm totally going to work. But I have no idea how I am actually going to complete any work and, and you know, with the opening rounds going on. I'm absolutely thrilled for it, man. So that'll do it for us here this week. Uh, for Connor Darnell, you know, we thank you for Cody Butler, who you can find at NAI Ball for all of your new stat scores, information, the most comprehensive baseball coverage, small college baseball coverage in the nation from NAI Ball. Nowhere else is going to give it to you like we do here at NAI Ball. You can follow Cody at NAI Ball on Twitter, and you can follow myself, Robbie Gutierrez, the host of the NAI Ball podcast, at RobG1063. Until next time, the next time we talk to you, it'll be the World Series preview. Have a great day and an even better tomorrow.